you, Lord. If you have your Bibles today, uh, you can go with me. Just believe God with me for strength in my voice this morning. Amen. Amen. And as we as we minister, and I've heard different preachers. I remember Brother Brother uh, Kenneth Copeland said one time he got he lost his voice completely. He could barely whisper. You know, he got up there and he said, "I just want to thank God." And I'm healed by his stripes, you know. And, and uh, people looked at him kind of funny because he sounded funny, you know. He says, but right, right towards the middle part of his sermon, his voice just broke loose, you know. And that people saw a miracle took, take place. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Because we walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And I, I just want to thank everyone, everybody once again for your faithful prayers. I'm doing good physically. Glory to God. We're making good progress. Hallelujah. And the wonderful thing about it is, is I did not have any heart damage. Amen. Amen. The weapon was formed, but it did not prosper. Amen. Amen. Glory be to God. So I'm really thankful for that. And uh, the devil's going to be so sorry, so sad that he ever messed with me in this area. I can tell you that right now. Amen. Amen. Praise God. We, uh, we began a little series a couple of weeks ago called uh, Vertical Worship and kind of going in some different directions here. Uh, but today I want to look at our main scripture here in Second Chronicles uh, 16, verse 9. It is so good to see everybody today. This is literally the highlight of my week that I get to come and I get to see everybody at church. Praise. Amen. <clears throat> no kidding. <laughs> it's the absolute truth. I love being around the church. I love because we are the church. Second Chronicles 16.9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong in the behalf of those whose heart is perfect towards Him. Now, how many have ever saw or read this scripture before? Okay. It's one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, you know, and I've heard it many, many years ago. And it always grabbed my attention, you know. And, uh, and I wanted to kind of use this as a scripture, a springboard, so to speak, to kind of go into some different areas here. And uh, one thing you can learn from this verse is learn by what it doesn't say. It doesn't say that God is looking for people that are perfect, that He can show Himself strong towards. Because, like I said, if that were the case, He would still be looking. Because <laughs> there's no human being that's perfect in the flesh, Right? Nobody, none of us. But it does say that God will show himself strong on the behalf of those whose heart is perfect towards him. Or the actual Hebrew means a heart that is bent towards God. A heart that is bent towards God. How many of you know that's, that's really important? So God is not looking for perfect people, but he's looking for people. And I, I've often said this uh, from time to time through the years in pastoring even our first church that we pastored, that I, I, don't, I don't really care if people come into church and they've got problems as, as tall as their head. It doesn't matter to me, you know. Because if they have a heart towards God, God can fix those things, those issues. Amen? So you can come, people can come into church, because church is certainly not for perfect people, you know. It's like a spiritual hospital, right? <laughs> and... Uh, People come in, they got issues and problems, family problems, financial problems, physical problems, you know, any kind of thing you can think of. But the, the Lord is here to give us answers. He's here to help us. He's here to equip us. Glory be to God. Now, um, what constitutes a, uh, we, we talked about this, what actually constitutes a perfect heart? Number one in review, a heart that believes God. The heart that believes in God, right? How many of you believe in God? I seriously doubt if you would be in church today if you didn't believe in God, right? There's no atheist in here today, right? <laughs> and the scripture even tells us that a fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. So you got people out there who say, ah, there's no God, but there's evidence of God everywhere you look. How many of you know that? I mean, just look in the mirror and look at your physical body and think about how Everything has to run together to work just right. It's a human eye. Probably take a whole service to talk about that. 
There's no 4K camera that's as good as the human eye. Amen? And yet you don't see with your eye, you see with your brain. Okay? Your body is, the Bible says we are fearfully and we are wonderfully made before God. It's just an amazing thing. The evidence of God is so overwhelming everywhere you look. Nothing was a mistake. Nothing was an accident. <coughs> Let's take a praise break for a second, okay? Let's pull out the faithful cough drop and we'll move on from there. Amen. We're not letting this thing stop us here. Praise the Lord. Psalm 25, if you go over there, Psalm 25, verse 14, this one verse I thought was really powerful. It says, the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show him his covenant. You see that? The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. Now, what constitutes a pure heart? We said <clears throat> those that believe in God, right? Those that believe in Him. And the secret of the Lord is with them that fear Him. In other words, they, they believe in Him. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we talked about how that our, this is just a little bit of a review here. Just bear with me here. <clears throat> We talked about how that our vertical relationship with Christ will affect our horizontal relationship with one another. Right? Husbands love your wives even as Christ loved the church. So the, the relationship between the husband and Christ is vertical. And of course the relationship between the husband and the wife is horizontal. Okay? So when we understand and have an understanding of God's love for us as a husband, I know because I am one, <laughs> then it gives me a greater insight or capacity how I can love my wife and my family better. Because if I know how much God loves me, and, and I'm learning that more and more and more, how much He really does love me. Now today, in our time that we have left, I want to talk about our relationship with the Word of God, how that how it applies to us. How many of you are believers here? You have, of course, a relationship with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, but you also have a relationship with the Word of God. And let's go over to um, Mark, the fourth chapter. We'll kind of put the pieces of the puzzle here together. Mark chapter 4. <clears throat> now what I'm going to read here is, uh, is the parable of the sower. Okay? I think personally it's, it's the most, according to what Jesus said, it's the most important parable in the entire Bible. It's the most. He said it's the master parable. Jesus even said if you understand this parable you'll figure out everything else. <laughs> okay? This is the master parable. Now we're going to just take a moment here and just read the first few verses here. That's Mark 4, verse 1. And we'll, we'll kind of set the picture here. It says, and, and so Jesus began to teach by the seaside, and there was gathered unto him great multitudes, so that he entered the ship, and he sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by parables. And he said unto them in his doctrine. And here's where it begins. It says, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass that he sowed some fell on the wayside. The birds of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of the earth. 
And verse 6 says, And when, <clears throat> when the sun was up, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell on thorns, and the thorns grew up, choked it, and yielded no fruit. And others fell on good ground, and did yield fruit, and sprang up and increased, and bought, brought forth some thirty, some sixty, and some a hundredfold. All right. Verse 9 says, And he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, they were there with him about the twelve asked him of this parable. Verse 11, And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. And he said unto them, Know ye this parable. Here's what I wanted to show you here in verse 13. Know ye, if you know this parable, how will you not know all parables? All right? So this is why Jesus said this, this parable is very important that we understand this. I want to ask you a question. What if you took a test, I don't, you know, some kind of an academic test? No matter, it could be the most difficult test as far as world's, the world's standards are concerned. But if you knew all the answers, would that intimidate you? They could put this big, huge three-hour test in front of you, you know, and everybody else is freaking out about it. But if you knew all the answers, it would be like, no big deal, no sweat. Right? Secondly, <clears throat> what if you had two football teams? All right? How many like football? All right. Some of you tolerate it, right? <laughs> well, you know, on a, on a football team, there's an offense and there's a defense, right? But what if the defense knew every single play that the offense was going to make? Sounds to me like the New England Patriots. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but uh, but if you know if you're a de- if you're on the defense and and you knew the what other team the play that they were going to make, you knew you know exactly where you need to line up, where you need to take a you know because if you don't know, it kind of keeps you hanging, and that's what they that's how they do it. You know what I mean? They keep you. It's like a mystery. But if you were the defense and you knew exactly the you know, if they're going to do a screen pass or something, you know, the quarterback, you've already got it nailed before it even t- took place, right? So if you had inside information into the play that was about to take place, all right, then you wouldn't be caught off guard whatsoever. Now, why am I saying that? Because I saw something in this over the last two days, actually, um, about this parable of the sower, because... Jesus exposes the enemy and his tactics 100%. <clears throat> and let's, let's pick it up in verse, <coughs> verse 14. Here's where uh, Jesus explains this parable because his disciples came and said, Lord, Explain what you just said to us. You know, we don't quite understand what you're saying, but explain to us. And so he expounds. And so this is where we'll pick up here in verse 14. Another way of saying this would be unmasking Satan's tactics. He only has so many tactics that he uses in the earth today. Okay. Verse 14, Jesus said, The sower soweth the word. These are they by the wayside. Everybody say wayside. Wayside. Where the word is sown. And when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise that are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, they have no root in themselves, but so endure for a time. But afterward, when affliction or a persecution 
Notice, arise for the word's sake. Notice, say the word's sake. <coughs> Immediately they are offended. Verse 18. And these are they that are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, the cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, lust of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And these are they that are sown on good ground, and uh, this is what we want here, sown on good ground, such as hear the word, receive it, bring forth fruit, some thirty, some sixty, some a hundredfold. Amen. Now, uh, in verse, uh, let's see here. Jesus makes it clear here that um, that the seed in the parable of the sower is the is what? Okay, he said the sower sows the word. So the seed is the word of God, and he says the ground is the heart. Of man, or the spirit of man, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. But in Mark chapter four, verse fourteen, it says, "The sower soweth the word." We'll talk about this first ground right here. The sower soweth the word, and these are they that are by wayside. Say wayside. When they've heard, when the, where the word is sown, and when they've heard it, Satan cometh immediately to taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. Now again, I want to talk about our relationship with the word of God. Now when I first read this years ago when I was a young Christian, somebody was reading and I thought, I was just casually looking at this, you know, and I thought, all right, so... If I hear the word of God, the devil's going to come to take away the, immediately he's going to come to take away the word that was sown in my heart. I'm thinking, what's the use? You ever think like that? I'm thinking, well, if the word's sown, the devil comes to take away the word, then you almost felt powerless over that, right? But here's the thing. Let scripture interpret scripture because in Matthew's gospel, while I'm saying that, go over to Matthew 13. Matthew records the same parable, but he adds something to this. <clears throat> Does anybody else have an extra cough drop on them per, per, per chance? God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. But in Matthew chapter 13, you're going to find out that Jesus verses 18, it's Matthew 13 verse 18 says, Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. (coughs) When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, Now notice this, and understandeth it not. Then cometh the wicked one that catcheth away the word that was sown in their heart. This is he that receives seed by the wayside. Now notice that Matthew adds adds something here that Mark didn't. Because Mark just says, hey, if you hear the word of God, Satan's going to try to come and snatch it away, right? It almost seems like, what's the use, right? But here's the thing. Matthew says it like this, when anyone hears, you know, they were both there and heard Jesus, but he adds this little part there. I love this. And that's the beautiful thing about the four Gospels. You can take them together and compare them because they're all, it paints a big picture, right? And it says that uh, if you you hear the Word of God, but you don't understand it, Satan can take that way. He takes away the Word. Okay? Now, if you, were good at, if you were to go into, if all you had was basic mathematics, you know, from kindergarten up, you know, and you walked into a trigonometry class, the only thing you would probably understand is when the guy says, hello, good morning, everybody. 
<laughs> okay? And the rest of it's Greek, as they say, right? Because you're hearing what he's saying, you just don't get it. Okay, we, we just don't comprehend it. You can hear words, but if you don't understand it, it won't profit you. Do you know the Bible was meant to be understood? Amen. There was a first time that I heard about the gospel of Jesus, you know, and some guy presented that to me personally. I never heard it like that, you know. And, um, but it gave me understanding, at least it opened my eyes to, to realize as a 16-year-old teenager, I, I needed saved. You know what I mean? I was, there was a conviction. I didn't feel condemned. I felt convicted. I was like, I need this because <laughs> I've messed up pretty bad. You know what I'm saying? And I know that I was a sinner. I needed saved. But the devil couldn't stop that revelation because once I understood my need for a Savior and saw it in the Word of God, you know, then he couldn't take away that. The devil's not as powerful as you think he is. He really isn't. All it takes is a lack of understanding, right? Now, Jeremiah talks about how that God says, I, I will set up pastors among you. I think it's in Jeremiah 23, something like that. He says, I'm, I'm going to give pastors according to my heart, he says, that will feed you with knowledge and with understanding. He says, and you'll fear no more Neither will you be lacking, saith the Lord. Amen? And I think, of course, we have the Holy Spirit individually in our lives that helps us and helps us. And He daily will help you understand Scripture. And it's, it's a wonderful thing to open up the Word of God and say, Holy Ghost, think through my mind. Help me to grasp and understand what I'm, what I'm reading here. And he'll, be, he'll do that. But... I know this, that one of the other things that God uses is anointed preachers and teachers to bring revelation. Amen. I'm a product, personally, of other revelation that other men have had through the years. And you know, you have the ability to pass on revelation. You talk about an inheritance. Not The biggest thing you can pass on to someone else is not financially. That's important. Boy, but if you can pass on revelation... Amen. My spiritual father, Brother Kenneth E. Hagan, used to say things, and I didn't understand where he was coming from at first. Now, to me, he was the most spiritual person that ever walked this earth other than Jesus. You know? <clears throat> he was so close to the Lord. I mean, you, you get around, you just get in his presence, and, man, you feel the love of God, the presence of God. Sometimes you just start weeping. You know what I'm saying? Because God's presence was on him so strong. But he used, he used to tell us, as young students, when I was, you know, 21 years old in Bible school, he would say, and it was such, for me, it's such an honor to sit there at his feet, so to speak, and hear the words of wisdom coming out of his mouth. He said, you guys ought to, he goes, you ought to surpass me in every single area. And we're like, surpass you? Are you kidding me? You know what I'm saying? He said, I'm giving you everything I have here. He said, take everything that I have and use it. And that's what the Apostle Paul even said. He says, I kept back nothing that was profitable to you, but I gave it to you. Publicly and from house to house, he said that. Paul would go from house to house even. You know that? You know the early church didn't have big meeting places. They met from house to house. Amen. That's where, that's where it started. But you know the greatest thing you can pass on is revelation. Now, this first seed, this first ground here is the heart is wayside that when someone hears the word of God, but they don't understand it. The devil can just say, ah, got it already. Amen. And that's why revelation knowledge is so dangerous. Amen. What do you mean, Pastor Keith, by revelation knowledge? Well, Jesus, give you this example. Here's a prime example of what I'm talking about. In Matthew chapter 16, we don't have to turn there. Jesus asked his disciples one day, he says, uh, who are, what are people saying about me? Who do they say that I am? And they spoke up. They said, well, some say you're John the Baptist re 
risen from the dead or one of the other prophets, you know. They, I guess they believe in reincarnation, you know, other people. And, uh, and he, they're Elijah and so forth, you know, these are, these, are, these are some big hitters in the Old Testament, right? And uh, Jesus, that didn't satisfy me. He said, well, who do you say that I am? Remember that, Matthew 16? Do you ever remember reading that? He says, who do you say that I am? And Peter spoke up and says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Boom. <laughs> say boom. <laughs> All right. And that was, the, that was the correct answer. But here's, a, here's something in response to what Peter said. Jesus said to him, he says, Peter, he says, flesh and blood has not revealed that information to you, but my Father which is in heaven. Remember that? Now, that's, the fan, that's what we call revelation knowledge. You can learn something by reading a book, but then the Holy Spirit can teach you stuff. That's called revelation. Have you ever read the Bible before or heard something before and all of a sudden something sparks up inside of you? You're like, whoa. Uh, hallelujah. Amen? It quickens to you, right? Glory to God. And that's what the Word has, quickening power. And, um, but he said that, he said, flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, Peter, but my Father which is in heaven. And he, he went on to say this, make this statement. He says, he, says, and, uh, he says, and I will build my church and the gates of hell. He says, thou art Peter and I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Right? Now, we know that Jesus wasn't building the church on Peter. He, was, he said the, the revealed knowledge that you receive is what we're going to build the church on. Because a few verses later, Peter, you know, Jesus talked about going to the cross and then Peter spoke up and said, no, no, be it far from you. And then Jesus turned to Peter right then and there and he says, get thee behind me, Satan. Right? So Peter couldn't be the, the foundation that Jesus is building a church on. Now, and just in, within a few minutes, Peter's head was probably like, yeah, I heard from the Lord. Did you hear that, guys? You know, I heard from the Lord. A few seconds later, he's hearing from the devil, and he says, get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> well, he got some information from another source, right? When you get information, you can get it from one or two sources. You can get it from the devil. And the Bible says that there's earthly wisdom that's devilish, right? But then there's heavenly wisdom that is pure, peaceable, easy to be received. Amen. And a lot of times when you're in a conversation, just like I am right now, I'm having a conversation with you. I'm not preaching at you. I'm having a conversation. I'm very conscious of what thoughts are coming to me to allow His words to come forth out of my mouth so it brings revelation to you, comfort to you, consolation to you. But then there's other times sometimes that we're hearing stuff from out here and it's not the right stuff that should be communicated, right? People do that. And Peter yielded to the wrong spirit there. And he got rebuked by it. He said, Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. And he knew that the spirit behind it was don't go to the cross. Right? Now my point in saying that is this. is Revelation knowledge is for the church. And that's you and me. We were meant to understand the Bible. Hallelujah. Have you ever read a chapter or a few verses before and you're like, I see it, but I don't understand it. Now, we've all been there. And um, what we need to do is, is ask the Holy Spirit, who is the revealer. He's the great revealer. He, he, he wrote the Word of God. And so if we ask the Holy Spirit to show us something in this chapter, if I'm reading like, First Peter 5, for example, just hypothetical. Say, Lord, I've read this before, but now I'm going to ask you right now. I'm going to read it slowly and methodically, and I'm going to ask you, Lord, as I read this, open my eyes. Help me to see something in here that I haven't seen before. In other words, revelation knowledge. I guarantee you, if you take your time, don't rush through it. 
Don't, don't act like you're in a speed reading course or something, but, but just take your time and read it and allow the Holy Spirit to breathe on that and say something to you. Amen? Glory to God. I even did that one time. I was reading in the Gospel of Matthew, the first chapter where you got the genealogies. Someone says, boring. <laughs> it's like, so-and-so begot, so-and-so begot, so-and-so. Who gives a rip? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> They're in there for a purpose. Amen. And so I asked the Lord one time. This is way back, you know. I said, I said, Holy Spirit, show me something here. You know what I mean? <laughs> What's, what am I missing here? And the Spirit of God spoke to me. He says, he goes, I keep accurate records. Hallelujah. So I saw that differently this time. You know what I mean? And, uh, and, I, and I just I went from Matthew 1 to Matthew 2. to Matthew, I took all these notes. I'm like, whoa, I never saw that before. You know what I mean? But see, the, the Holy Ghost is the illuminator, Amen. the revealer. And if you take him out of the equation, all you got is this dead religion. You know what I mean? But we serve a living God. You know what I mean? There's a living Holy Spirit in this room right now. Amen? It's not just church. You know what I mean? Just showing up to have church on Sunday thing. Amen? But we're, we're here to have an... I'm t- God encounters. When we come Sunday mornings or any other day of the week, we have services... We call these God encounters. That's what it's about. Amen. We don't just need another church service. We've had a lot of those. But we want God encounters. Hallelujah. And the Bible says he shows himself strong on the behalf of those whose heart is perfect towards him. And, you know, maybe you don't, maybe you don't even feel that you have that type of a heart. But, you know, God can change your heart. You know what I mean? People say, I don't really have a desire to read the Word of God. You can ask the Lord. Say, Father, give me a desire to read the Word of God. Put a desire in my heart. Or I don't have a desire to really pray like I should, you know. God, give me a desire to pray. And before you know it, you don't want to miss reading your Word. You don't want to miss praying because, my God, that's your connection between heaven and earth. Amen. Living connection. Hallelujah. And so, uh, this is so important here that the way, in other words, wayside is not good ground, right? That's the first ground. When you hear the Word of God, but you don't understand it, that's Satan could just say, well, you don't understand it, I already got it. You know what I mean? And uh, I don't know about you, but through the years, I've heard some really complicated sermons, (laughs) you know? When I was a young Christian, there was this one guy, he used to be in Pittsburgh, he's not here anymore. But I mean, he, to me, he sounded like the most educated person I've ever heard in my life. You know what I mean? But, and I was impressed with that at first. But he would use these words, I'm like, I don't even know what that means. Is there a dictionary word for that meaning? I don't, you know what I'm saying? And uh, then I, I found out, you know, he wants shipwrecked spiritually. His ministry wants shipwrecked spiritually. But, man, people are so impressed with his knowledge and so to speak. But I, I didn't really understand what he was saying. But then I come along a few years later and I get a Brother Copeland or Brother Hagen or someone along that line, Charles Capps or someone like that. And, I st- and they talk in simple terms where you can grasp it and get a hold of it. I'm like, that's, that's what I like. Amen. Do you know Jesus was so simple that even a child could understand him? That's what the scripture says. The children were drawn to Jesus. If he was some stone-faced religious person that was, uh, you know, hard on people and hard on kids, you think children would have been drawn to Jesus? No, no, no. Their kids are not, they're, not, they're smart. They'll pick up just like that. Amen? And, uh, but Jesus would talk in terms of sheepfolds and vineyards and gardens and seeds and those types of things. Okay? He said the kingdom of God is like a vineyard or a sheepfold, you know. And he would use illustrations and so forth that ever the common folk could understand what he was saying. Amen? 
And so stony ground won't even be a problem with you. We're going to conclude with this next ground this morning. But uh, look at uh, Mark chapter 4. So have we established the fact that the first ground called wayside is word that you're hearing but you don't understand it? Okay. So, that, so in other words, the seed might land on you but it doesn't take root because there's, you don't understand it. But the, the blessing and the answer to the remedy, for lack of understanding, is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will give us revelation and understanding so that so we can understand. Okay, let's go to this next one here and we'll conclude here today. But in Mark chapter 4, verse 16. These are they likewise which are sown on stony ground who when they have heard the word immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves but so endure for a time but afterward when affliction or persecution arise for the word's sake they're immediately offended all right say stony ground, stony ground. okay now, the ground, of course, is the heart of man. Okay? Now, this second one here is really interesting here because these are people that heard the word, and notice it says they received it with what? They were glad. They heard the word. They were glad. They're like, wow, this is, this is great. I love it. This is the word of God. And they have no root in themselves. Now, <coughs> notice it says, so they endure but for a time. Say a season. season. Okay. Afterward, when affliction or persecution arise, now notice this, for the word's sake. Now, underline that. That's really important. Now, why does... Stony ground, he says, persecution and affliction will come to you and me for one purpose, for the word's sake. Amen? The greatest threat to the devil is this thing right here. <laughs> That's the greatest threat to the enemy. Glory to God. Now, I saw something in here. I'll share in just a second here, but... What's the difference between affliction and persecution? Now, affliction means outward trouble of any kind. Refrigerator broke, car broke down, you know, just outward types of troubles, job, job problems, somebody on the job, you know, whatever, family issues, affliction, okay? Anybody have a, have a few of those things? <clears throat> and the enemy likes to use what we call the pile-up effect, where he doesn't just bring one thing at one time. He tries to bring four things at the same time to try to overwhelm you. <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. Persecution has to do with a personality. A person. When... Uh, when I was first saved as a teenager, I thought everybody would be, even my own family at the time, I thought they'd be so excited about the fact that I got saved and I wasn't told them about it. Man, they were not happy about it. But my, 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 my innocence of my heart, I was like, I got saved, Mom, you know. And uh, she said, you what? <laughs> you know. And my, my wife, I'll tell you, her family, she came from the Roman Catholic background, seven brothers and sisters, you know. And, uh, and I mean to tell you, she got persecuted majorly in her family. I didn't get nearly the amount of persecution that she got at first. And I thank God I don't have a wimpy wife. She stood the test, man. She, she, she endured that. <clears throat> but let's just face the fact 
Not everybody's going to be happy with your decision to follow Jesus. Have you found that out sometimes? You know? And there are some people that their spouse has actually left them because they said, I don't want none of that Jesus stuff, you know what I mean? But, you know what I mean? It's a form of persecution. It's a form of persecution. So Jesus said this. He said, when, it, when he, someone hears the word of God and they receive it, they're like, this is great, this is awesome. But all of a sudden, after a little season comes some persecution and affliction. And then it's like, do I still believe this? The, the word of God is such a threat to the devil that he tries to bring pressure, outward pressure to you and to me. This thing that happened to me recently isn't, was an outward pressure. You know what I'm saying? But do you think I'm going to back down and, and say, oh, you know what I'm saying? Are you kidding me? Oh, just the, quite the contrary. Amen? I'll preach it harder and stronger. You know, just because you go through something doesn't mean that your lack, that's your lack of spirituality. Because let me tell you, spiritual people go through things. Okay? But that God says he'll bring us through it and we'll come out victorious on the other side of that. That doesn't mean none of that stuff will try to touch us. Right? Are you with me? But the good thing is we can come out. Smith Wigglesworth, one of the leading ministers of the gospel through years, raised 24 people from the dead, had several rounds of a kidney, sto uh, yeah, kidney stones while he was preaching. One time he went and passed it right while he was preaching. Went behind the stage and passed a kidney stone. Smith Wigglesworth. Anybody ever knew that? <laughs> Hallelujah. And sometimes you really don't know what you're really made of until your, your back has been up against the wall and you, you've hit the hard place. I'm not prophesying that over nobody, but I'm saying... <clears throat> you really don't know what you really believe until you're faced with the same situation. There are times in my life I thought I would react different if I was them in that situation when in reality I wouldn't have. Okay? And so we never want to look down our nose at somebody that's been, been through some things. It's actually the people that have been through some stuff that can learn some things and help other people. Glory to God. But when you hear the word of the kingdom... And you hear the word of God. These people received it with joy initially, but then afterwards, affliction and persecution arise for the word's sake. Okay? So affliction is outward trouble of any kind that would try to try to come against you, you know? <clears throat> we, don't want to, we don't want to be whipped over a broken refrigerator. Or a part on our car that doesn't work. Like, doggone it, I thought this faith stuff worked. You know what I mean? <laughs> People get offended over it. You know what I mean? Look, there's been times in my life I've had this break, that break, that And I mean, a whole bunch of things. I didn't even have the money to fix one of them. You know what I'm saying? But I'm thinking, you are not controlling my joy. <laughs> but there are people that, because of the condition of their heart, they get offended by those things and said, I thought this was supposed to be better. You know, I thought when I serve God, he's going to take care of all these things. He is, but the, you have an enemy. We have an adversary. Okay? And he's trying to steal the word of God. And I, I know when I first got saved, I had some friends that got born again. And I would you would have thought they were called to be evangelists. I mean, they were just so, they just, they grabbed a hold of it. I mean, it was like, I was in awe at some of these friends of mine and stuff. But I know that, you know, looking back now, this is going back 35, 40 years. They did receive it with joy. But then some persecution came. Now, persecution can come in different packages and different forms. Now, the, the most severe type of persecution is like what we saw with ISIS, you know, beheading people and stuff like that. You know, those are real nasty stuff. And and uh, I just heard the other day that the, the whole caliphate's been totally destroyed. ISIS is gone. Glory to God. Amen. But, you know, through the centuries, through the years, that um, people's lives have been taken persecution for living for God. Stephen was one of them. The apostle Saul, Saul of Tarsus. Remember that? 
was persecuted. He said, I was a chief persecutor. God had mercy on me, you know. But I've seen, I've been around long enough to see that through the years that sometimes people are afraid to lose their friends. They used to have these buddies and so forth. They're not really truly your buddies, you know, these bar people and stuff like that. They're not really your buddies. They're not, you know. These people at the bars that act like they're having a great time slapping each other on the back, they're miserable. Amen. But I saw this. Because of a rejection of somebody, they took it personally. I saw this through the years with, with some people that, that were saved. And they wanted to be, they wanted to please people more than they wanted to please God. I don't know if I'm just different or what, but I, I, did, I could care less. Not in, a, not in a rude, crude way, but when I got born again and I got the real deal and I got Jesus, I'm like, I'm not trying to offend anybody, but if you're offended at me, I'm sorry. Because nothing's going to change this boy. I'll tell you, I love God. I love people. I love Jesus, you know. And I, did I have some persecution? Did I have some friends walk away from me? Yes. But you know what? I don't care. One time, I remember this. This is not far from here, but on Campbell's Run Road. Uh, you know where Campbell's Run Road right over here? When I was just out of high school, I was working in a cheese factory that was, that was there at the time. There's something, some kind of a other thing there now. And uh, same building. And, uh, and I, was, I was, my friend got me a job there, you know. And this is before I went to Bible school. We're talking about persecution and affliction here. Rise for the word's sake. My friend that got me a job was older than me, and he was saved. I was saved. We started having a daily Bible study after lunch. That was our time. We could do that, you know. And whoever wanted to come and be a part of that would come be a part of that. And we had people coming and getting saved. Not a bunch of them, but there was a few of them that came in, heard the word of God, received Christ, you know. Now there was two bosses. There was the there were twin brothers actually that owned this company, all right. And uh, you could tell that they did not like Christians or Christianity. Make no mistake about it, <laughs> you know. <coughs> and uh, they didn't like the fact that we were having a Bible study. Now we weren't do we were doing our job. You know they didn't hire us to preach the Bible or anything like that, but we were, we did the, the work, but on our, on our lunch break, that was our time, you know what I mean, we weren't obnoxious about it, but uh, word got back to the headquarters in there that, uh, that me and this other guy were doing this Bible study. Now, they needed more workers, they needed more help, the business was booming at the time, this is in like 1979, 80. And uh, the cheese business was booming at that time, okay? <laughs> and um, but I just, it was an awesome thing to, I was only there for maybe six, seven months, something like that. But the, the boss called me in, and I could tell he was unhappy. He says, he goes, I'm going to let you go. I'm thinking, what? He wouldn't come out and tell me what it was, but I know what it was. Because of some other warnings that he had before. These two brothers, they were just, they were wicked. They did not love, they didn't like God. They didn't want anything to do with Christianity. <coughs> he basically fired me. He fired me. Now, he didn't come out and tell me what it was, but I know exactly what it was, you know? Because, I mean, you're not looking at a slacker here, okay? I mean, I, I started working when I was 11 years old. We grew up, we hardly had anything. My parents said, if you want something, basically, you've got to work for it. And I'm, I'm kind of glad about it now, you know what I mean? Because it taught me how to be a diligent worker and apply myself and so forth. And we didn't just have things that just the way it was back in those days. I didn't have things handed to me, you know. And um, so they fired me. And I remember I got in my car that day, and I thought, oh, man. I thought, 
you know, I, I was so on fire for the Lord and everything in my heart, you know. And I remember there's a, there's a clover leaf down there where you get back onto the parkway right off Campbell's Run down there. And I was driving around there. And I mean, I'm just, I was actually, I was crying to be honest with you about it. I thought, oh man, I'd lost my job, you know. I need this job right now, you know. I'm saving up to go to Bible school and everything. And, and, uh, and that only lasted about halfway around that turn. And the Spirit of God said this to me. He says, he goes, don't you dare weep about this. He spoke to my heart. He says, don't you weep about this. I got something far better for you. Amen. It was like a man was in the car with me, which there was, the Holy Ghost. And I, I jerked up and I said, okay, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And you know that week, that same week, I got a call from someone else and had a far better job for me. Glory be to God. And the Lord supernaturally, he says, I'll take care of that. He goes, I know. The Lord was just showing me. He says, you were doing what you know. You weren't in people's faces about it, but you had, if you had opportunities, you would share with them. And that's a form of persecution. Okay? But yet there are people that would take that and say, I don't understand this. Forget this God stuff and just walk away from it. I don't understand that. How can you walk away from the man that died and went to hell for you? How can you walk away from that? I can't even fathom that. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, Jesus said this. He says, or Paul says, he says, all those that will live godly lives in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It, it, that doesn't mean everybody's going to persecute you and have a persecution complex. Amen? Uh, sometimes family members won't be happy with you. They kind of isolate, you know, they ostracize you, maybe not invite you to their party or something like that. <laughs> We've had that happen a few times. And then you show up and you're like, you've just been talking about me. I can tell, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but love's greater than all that mess, isn't it? The love of God's so much greater than all that stuff. And, you know, praise God, praise God, praise God. Some people get convicted just being in your presence. They just get a little uncomfortable. Well, it's not you, it's what's in them. Okay? Now, there's just this last scripture here that kind of goes with this here. And here's what we'll, we'll close here right now. 2 Timothy chapter 3. <coughs> Thanks for bearing with me today here as I try to communicate here. But 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verse 10, Paul said this, but, but thou hast fully known my doctrine, my manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, and patience. Notice, notice verse 11. Persecutions and afflictions which came unto me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, and Derbe. Uh, what, the, what persecutions? I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Now remember that persecution and affliction arise for the word's sake? Newsflash, not everybody is going to be happy with your choice to serve God. But that's okay. It's okay. I'm guilty. <laughs> if, there's, if there's enough evidence to convict me of being a Christian, I'm guilty, bless the Lord. But notice the verse, verse 12. This is that scripture I was quoting to you. It says, Yea, all that will live godly lives in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Okay? Now, it's not like you want to plaster that scripture on your refrigerator. But the fact of the matter is, almost, it's almost like this. I kind of leave you with this. that If people aren't saying something about you, are you doing it right? Because <laughs> I, I like when people like me. I do. I like it when people love me. Amen. And, uh, but the fact is, not everybody will. But don't, we don't want to take it personally. We don't want to take it personally. When I, uh, our first church that we pastored, we started in 1986 over in the South Hills. And right when I was, uh, Starting the church, I was working for a tree company, uh, Arborist, that was taking out trees 
a guy that used to live in my neighborhood, you know, and uh, big trees, take them out, you know, and chop them down, that kind of a thing. And, uh, <clears throat> and I remember we had just started there. It was like actually a Bible study that we had in our, in our living room that we had back then. This is 1986. And there was a guy that was working with me that was a, a co-worker with me on, at the same company. He was there a little bit longer than I was, but he was a big, tall, wiry type of guy, you know. And, uh, and I remember after a real long day's work, we were coming back, and we were in the back of this truck sitting on a, on a bunch of stumps, you know, that we cut, you know, in the back of this big truck, you know. <clears throat> and my boss is driving. It's just him and I in the back. And it was one of those really laborsome days. I mean, just sweat and just, just hot and just, you know, pit, the typical Pittsburgh humid summer day. You know what I'm saying? Just nasty, you know. And um, as we're sitting back there, you know, we're getting closer to where our cars were, you know. And he said, well, what are you doing tonight? And uh, I said, well, we, we have a Bible study in our house, you know. We're going to have a, a Bible study. And... and uh, so he, he was asking me a couple of questions, this guy, all right? So I'm answering his questions. I wasn't, in his, I wasn't telling him I'm going to be doing this. I'm a Jesus person and all this. I, I was, he, was, I was asking, he was asking me questions. I was answering him, you know. And, uh, and so he asked some more things about, are you a Christian? I says, yeah, okay. Because <clears throat> uh, I don't know what his background was. But within about five minutes of that conversation... He rose up, grabbed me by the shirt, and he was going to punch me out in the back of the truck. And I'm thinking, what just happened here? Literally. This kid was, I, you could see devils in his eyes. I looked in his eyes, I'm thinking, whoa, anger and rage were coming out of this. And I'm thinking, all I did was answer a question that he asked me. And then it came out, okay. He goes, you're the most narrow-minded, da-da-da, and used a few choice words on me, you know. And, and I mean, he literally was going to have a fist fight with me, okay? Now, the Holy Spirit had to help me with that situation, you know what I mean? Because sometimes your flesh says, well, let's just take it to task right now here, you know. <laughs> and, uh, but my, the Spirit of God said to me, just stay calm, stay relaxed. It's just, you're not fighting against flesh and blood here, <laughs> you know. And I, and I looked at him. I said, I guess eyes of compassion. I said, I said, look, you just asked me a question. All I did was answer your question. And then he, he like, let me go. You know what I'm saying? And then we didn't say anything all the way back. You know what I mean? I, I thought, boy, that was really interesting. You know that, But I, it, I'm like, what's he doing? But then what, what happened was he was under such conviction by asking me a certain question, that, and he said, oh, you Christians, you're a bunch of narrow-minded, da-da-da-da-da, a bunch of four-letter words and everything. And I thought, dude, I'm, you, I'm just answering a question. You asked me a question, I'm, I'm, I'm answering your question, you know. So what's the big deal, you know? But then you realize there's an enemy out there, and that was a form of persecution, okay? And the Lord did protect me in that situation, Sometimes people will say words about you. Sometimes they'll shun you. Okay? You won't be invited to their little get-togethers. You're not missing out on anything anyway. Amen? See, I'm never alone. I got Jesus with me everywhere I go. I'm never alone. I'm never lonely. I got Jesus with me. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Doesn't get any better than that. Amen? Praise God. If I'm going to have relationships, I'm going to make sure it's the right kind of relationships. I want the right people in my life. I'm not just going to get desperate and go out there and I just want a bunch of friends for a no, no, I want the right kind of friends. Are you with me now? So we can't be afraid of being persecuted. We can't be afraid. Now there will be a lot of people that will love you to the end. They will. They'll they'll hear what you're saying. But just in case there's a few people out there that may not like you know what I mean? I mean, there have been times, folks, even in my services here through the years where I've been preaching and someone got mad right in the middle of the sermon, got up and boom and left. I could, now, you didn't know, but I saw it on their face. It was like something I said, they didn't like that. You know what I mean? Stormed out, never came back again. But you know what? 
I don't take that personally. Because they're not really offended at me. They're offended at the Word of God. There's a vast difference. Now, now if I am offending people, then I need to check up something. If I'm doing my personality, if I'm rough and tough and I'm around the edges, you know, and I'm being rough on people, that's something, that's not, <clears throat> that's me causing my own problems. But if people get offended at the Word of God, that's another thing entirely. Amen? So, uh, well, that was what I had for today. Praise the Lord. Did you learn some things here today? The Lord kept my voice. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.